0: Hello and welcome to the Sheffield Libraries podcast. My name is Alexis and my guest today is best-selling author Paige Toon. Paige is going to be talking to me today about her latest brilliant release, Someone That I Used to Know. Welcome to the podcast, Paige. It's really, really lovely to have you here. Um, First things first, for anyone who may not by some miracle have come across you and your work... Could you please just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, my name is Paige. Thank you very much for having me too. <laughs> um, I am the author of, well, I've written 19 novels now, which I actually wow. can't believe. Four of those are young adult or, and short stories. Um, but, yes, yeah, so 15 sort of full-length contemporary romance novels. Um, I write love stories. They're kind of impossible love stories, you know, where you don't necessarily... know how it's going to work out um you know usually there's some something that's sort of keeping them together so real slow burn romances um and they have quite a lot of you know emotional depth to them they're not necessarily very light and fluffy but they're still ultimately you know kind of great beach reads I would say
0: (laughs) yeah I would completely agree with that I would completely agree with that it's not they're not your typical chicklets. no disrespect. I love chicklets, so it's no disrespect to that at all but there's definitely a I think you put an added level of depth into your stories so your latest book someone I used to know is released today so for anybody who's listening to this next year or in a few years time Thursday the 24th of June 2021 congratulations good luck with it and you're a really prolific author as you've just said you've had 19 books out now Uh, does a new release ever lose its shine
1: no definitely not no and I mean this one I think I'm I'm always excited. I'm I was more nervous when the earlier ones started coming out because you know you just I had had less sort of. a lot more doubt I guess so yeah it's complete unknown isn't it (laughs) But I've kind of like come to learn over the last sort of 14 15 years you know that if I love writing it then there will be readers out there who love reading it so Mm. I kind of I'm just so excited about this one I just can't wait to hear what the readers think and reviews are starting to trickle in now so um yeah and um you know there's there's yeah it's it's exciting
0: I mean, this, this book and The Minute I Saw You that was released in 2020 um, have both been kind of released during COVID times. So we're not going to drag on about COVID because I think we're all quite bored of it now. But has this affected book promotion for you at all? Has it changed things massively? Yeah, I mean, or?
1: Normally, it, normally this time of year, like a couple of years ago, you know, I went and did a tour with um, with Lindsay Kelk and a bunch of other author friends, oh, wow. which is just so much fun, you know, because we get to go and you know, kind of sit up on a stage in front of a live audience and chat about books and all sorts of rubbish and, you know, answer reader questions in person and do signings and things. And it's just, it's such a lovely thing to be able to meet the readers, you know, mm. it, it still, it often, I still want to pinch myself, you know, I'm doing my absolute dream job and I love every minute of it, but a lot of the time it doesn't feel real, you know, and mm. when you go on these, you know, it, it go and do an event and actually meet readers. You know, it's something, oh, my God, people actually read my books. You know, it still feels so kind of unbelievable, you know. So, yeah, so I miss doing that. And um, we don't have any sort of big events organised yet. I'm hoping mm-hmm. we'll be able to do the odd thing. In fact, I know Lindsay Kelk is coming over in November, so I'm hoping,
0: you know, Fantastic, yeah.
1: for, for an event at some stage. It'll be great.
0: Yeah, I think we're all, we're all hoping that come autumn we might actually be able to meet people in person although from our point of view this podcast was launched during covid and we've spoken to so many different authors that we would never have been able to reach out to like yourself so it's been fantastic for us because we've actually been able to to meet online so many different people and chat to so many different people definitely
1: that that is a real positive that's come out yeah. of it you know like I did a big um, online event with Waterstones and Louise Pentland and Lindsay Kelk and Josie Silver all came and sort of you know joined in, and you know we had like two hundred readers and they were they were from anywhere in the world. Yeah, know? so amazing that you know to be able to allow readers from anywhere to kind of come and join.
0: Absolutely, them, you know? yeah. So I am going to ask you actually a bit more about the content of the book soon with no spoilers obviously um but presumably you wrote someone I used to know during 2020 did this affect your writing process at all because it's ah. a story absolutely seats in family and biological non-biological relationships it must have been quite difficult to write that during quite an isolated time actually we were parted from people that we care about
1: it was i mean i would say this is probably my most emotional book to date you know and certainly for me writing it you know i found it incredibly emotional i'm really missing my family right now in australia yeah. you know my mum and dad and it's been almost two years you know since i've seen yeah. her, my brother and my niece and nephew and you yeah. know, it's, it's like really it's really tough um I was lucky in the sense that I I tend to do all of my writing in September, October, November. You know, I sort of just really kind of knuckle down and do it. That was the one term that the kids had a full term at school, so wow. thank goodness for that. But um, you know, I wrote most of it still down in in, in I've got, we've got a camper van, a, a um, retired camper van at the end of the garden, and, and I sat down there and wrote it most you know mostly down there just so I could kind of escape, you know, the else that was happening in the house. Um, And I think once I just got into it, you know, I was, I was away with it, you know, like it just, I always feel like I'm kind of living in this little movie inside my head and experiencing everything that the characters are are experiencing. Fantastic. You know, it was a, it was a lovely writing experience again, you know, I I always have a mad panic about halfway through where I'm thinking, oh my God, I've got so much to learn (laughs) You know, like there's so much to do, but somehow it all kind of comes together, you know, in the last sort of. Half, you know, just to start sort of picking up pace and yeah, and I can't kind of you can't keep me away from my computer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that comes across as well as, as a reader. I was pretty much the same. I think the, the whole story played out in my head like a little movie.
1: That's lovely.
0: So your your latest release, i mentioned, it's called Someone I Used to Know. I received this on Monday, despite working in a library and love reading. I'm not the speediest of <laughs> readers at the best of times. I like to really absorb a book, but um I think I rattle this off in two days, purely not because it was an easy read necessarily, but it was just unput downable. I absolutely loved it. Can you give us an overview of the book and the story, oh, please?
1: That's that really lovely to hear. Um, well, so this is a story of Leah. Um, you know, it's told in the first person, you know, from her perspective. Um, she grew up, her parents are foster parents. And so she grew up, so sort of sharing her house and her parents with all of these troubled teenagers that would come and go. Um, and when she's 15, a boy who comes into her life, you know he, another 15 year old called George, um, they you know are drawn to each other. Obviously nothing can happen between them because he's living in a house and you know and while there's sort of chemistry building between them, you know they have to you know put a stop to it. Um, and then there's another one of their friends, a boy called Theo and he comes from a very different, um, background, he's, he's like the son of a local landowner, you know, goes to boarding school normally and one day he rocks up on their state school bus and he's got his own problems, you know, and own sort of issues with the love and care. Um, but the three of them become really close. The story is told between alternating chapters between a then timeline when the characters are 15 and now when they're 30. And so in the 30 section, Theo like leah went on to marry theo he's not around but george comes back into leah's life and you know the story sort of unfolds you you know you obviously go back to when the 15 and see how you know the characters sort of get together and you know how it sort of plays out and then alternating with the 30 you know storyline where where we kind of see you know see the resolution and and what happens there's a few twists and turns along the way
0: (laughs) oh yes loads I'm going to be quite honest here um my friends say I have a bit of a heart of stone when it comes to going to the theatre I remember once not crying when the whole house was crying and reading books I don't generally cry even if they're quite I think there's only a couple of books I've read in my lifetime that have actually made me cry Um, someone I used to know I actually made me properly cry three times really? properly <laughs> properly cry so you broke me <laughs> um, which is amazing really that it can elicit that kind of emotion I wasn't expecting that from this book there's there's loads of depth to it and I think I just fell in love with the characters and got to know the characters so well it's such a romantic story but it's fundamentally about family um, and about cared for children as well which is a really important subject what made you want to write this story and how did you go about researching it?
1: Um, I think the idea just came to me the, uh, of what it would be like to, to have your parents foster and to sort of grow up in a house with foster children coming in and out, um, you know, having to share your parents with all these kids. And uh, you know, I wanted, Leah is like very much a sympathetic character, you know, like she, mm-hmm. you know, she's very supportive of her parents, but obviously sometimes you know, finds it hard um and you know sometimes gets a little bit bitter about that but on the whole you know she she's sort of supportive of them and and i really wanted to write about inspirational foster parents and her parents really are that you know there are lots of different people who you know might sort of choose to um, you know foster for hopefully for the right reasons but you know there are people out there as well who might just foster because of the money and you know you have these sort of horrible stories that you hear um so i just wanted to write something really inspirational that you know maybe one day someone might read this and decide to actually go and do it You know, for the right reasons. And I found out during, doing, during my research process that um, it's not uncommon for siblings to be separated, which mm. I found utterly heartbreaking. And, and what's unfortunately not uncommon is for an older child to be put into the care system and their younger siblings to be put up for adoption. So sometimes they don't even get to say goodbye, you know. Yeah. And I, when I heard that, I, you know, I wanted to shine a light on that. That's George's situation in the book. Yeah. You know, he's a 15-year-old boy. He's gone into the care system and his younger sister, little sister, has been put up for adoption. And, you know, and uh, my friend who told me this, who, she works in family court, and, um, and she said that – she also told me, you know, that the younger teenagers are a really difficult place, you know, like the younger kids yeah. – People are happier to sort of take on the younger kids who maybe haven't been quite through quite so much, or they're just easier to sort of handle, or the much older teenagers who are on the verge of kind of ageing out of the care system. But she said the younger teenagers are really hard to play. So again, mm-hmm. I wanted to sort of shine a little bit of a light on that. Those are, you know, it's mostly sort of the younger teenagers that yeah. Leah's parents take in.
0: Um so yeah, George's story was accounted for two of my cries. Oh. I thought it was incredibly poignant and and it was something I wasn't aware of as well. I found the book really quite educational in that sense about the siblings and actually the experience of Leah as a biological daughter in a family who fosters because you know it's really important we tell the story of foster children and, and children in care but I hadn't really ever thought about the biological because you think well they're in their families they they're the lucky ones and they absolutely are but at the same time you see her struggles and her her kind of feelings of isolation from your story which I think is is really interesting did you talk to anybody specifically about about that all
1: yes I did I mean I did a lot of online research as well but I spoke to foster parent of like 20-30 years Um, I spoke to her daughter actually you know know, she's an adult now but you know she was able to give me some sort of examples and you know tell me about her childhood growing up and I spoke to people who work in schools with looked after children you know so I got a really good overall idea and then like I say a lot of internet research you know a Mm. lot of reading up you know from foster parents and you know watching videos on YouTube and one thing which you know um, came to my attention which I wrote into the book as something that Leah's mum say, says to Leah is just how much anyone can do to kind of help the overall picture, you know, which I really loved this, mm. you know, it really moved me when I read it. You know, you might not be able to foster yourself um, for whatever reason, but, you know, you can support another foster family. You can let your kids play with foster children, you know, you can, yes. you know, things like that. You could take a, you know, meal to a foster family who just had a, a new child delivered or, you know, sort mm. of brought it to the home. Um you know or even lending an ear to a social worker you know just having someone that you know they can have a shoulder to sort Mm. of cry on and just give them a little bit more resilience you know for going into work the next day and Mm. you know just sort of stuff like that I I really it was the looked after children angle that absolutely I found so emotional you know that yeah absolutely like this book is so full of there's so much joy and happiness it's a really uplifting read as well but you know I think the reality of you know that situation just how heartbreaking it is to think that Mm. there are children out there who you know go through the situation where they are torn out of their families and you know have to go and live and be thrust into somebody else's family and just be expected to kind of get on with things you know I found that just utterly heartbreaking
0: yeah absolutely but I think like you say your book is shows that really clearly it shows that heartbreak but it it is a positive story and like there's one line that the dad says that I'm not going to say because it's just so crucial to the book but it is just a wonderful line and such a representative of the the heart in these parents and, and how much they care about what they do and I'm sure that there's families all over who are just like this couple and it just makes you fall in love with them and respect yeah. what <laughs> they do and and the impact that they can have with just a few words or an action something very simple it's just the you meant you touched on this before actually about um alternating the chapters. So you you kind of alternate between past and present, and you can alternate in between childhood and the their adulthood. And I think although they're just snapshots because the chapters are quite short actually, so you don't get a huge chunk of information about their childhood, but they're little snapshots that really help you to kind of build up an affection and an understanding about where these adults have come from and how they've grown and and actually how wonderful they are as human beings and I think that's why I got so emotional because through the alternations in the, the chapters I just really grew to love and understand and feel like I knew these characters. Was that what you set out to do with that or was there another reason behind the alternating chapters?
1: No I just really wanted to, I, I think it's so important to understand where they've come from and yeah. i'd rather show than tell you know so to be able to actually sort of live inside leah's head mm-hmm. when she's 15 and meeting you know theo and george and you know being there when she's got I think there are nine people living under her roof you know at the at the beginning of the novel you know so i think to be able to be there and experience that journey with her and um you know as i wanted when i started writing this i, I tried to write it with the alternating chapters you know i i I try to write it as you read it but Mm. i kind of got to a point where i then needed to just put aside the present day and just live with them through you know the whole the the earlier section just so i could really know their own journey before i came back to them in the present day interesting yeah so i didn't end up you know i ended up at the end so weaving those chapters in and you'll Mm -hmm. find that the front sort of the front first half of the book is a little bit more kind of heavily weighted towards the 15 section you know But and you kind of come back into the now and sort of pick up you know with the chapter you know every so often But then, you know, it's much more about the the now section as the book goes on.
0: Mm, Yeah. Um, And alpaca farm features quite heavily in the book as well, which I loved because I think, A, I learned a whole load of stuff about alpacas that I knew nothing about, which is really funny. Some of the terms are fantastic. Uh, They made me smile. And I think it really added like a a kind of lightness to the story that because it's such an emotional story and it was it was a nice way for the, the people, the characters in the story to come together as well. What made you want to include them in the book? And are you an Einstein of alpacas? Because you seem to know an awful lot about them.
1: (laughs) I know a lot about them now. (laughs) There was an awful lot that didn't make it into the book too. (laughs) Right, really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there's a, la- a lady who lives sort of in I live in Cambridgeshire and there's a lady who has an alpaca farm, you know, not far from me. So um I went and spent some time with her and, you know, took my notepad and wrote down loads and it was just amazing. I mean, she was speaking to them all like kids, you know, like many, <laughs> they've all got personalities. She's like, you know, just the way she was talking about them and, you know, all of the different names that she had and um so that was that was just a really fun way to spend an afternoon, you know, to go and hang out with the alpacas. That's I need a to for a book it actually. <laughs> <laughs> But um it was because I, I wanted to set this book and and funnily enough, considering international travel is quite difficult at the moment and mm. i always set my books in quite, you know, lovely sort of locations. Um but the idea for this book I I had a few years ago and I absolutely wanted to set it in North Yorkshire. Um, you know, it's one of my favourite places in the world, it's where my husband's from, you know, I've been going up there for over half my life, you know, dedicated the book to his parents, you know. Oh that's and, lovely. Um, and um and Brimham Rocks is just one of my favourite places in the world. You know, it's just such an incredible landscape of, you know, these giant rocks kind of, you know, coming out of the ferns and, you know, heather. And and so the location of the book is basically a farm on the outskirts, like on Brimham Moor. Um, mm. You know, and the kids kind of like, they climb up to the rocks and look down over at the farm. But when, and I wanted it to be a farm because I wanted the kids to be able to sort of help out on the farm. Yeah. But when I was thinking about it, you know, there aren't many. There aren't many crop farms in North Yorkshire, you know. So it's more about you know meat um, and mm. you know so sheep and cows and and just didn't feel very comfortable about the idea of foster children working on a farm that the animals that were going to be slaughtered. You know, I just mm-hmm. thought that. It just felt really uncomfortable to me and it was my mother-in-law actually who said you know how about an alpaca farm and there's Amazing. a real history of alpaca farming you know like in in yorkshire you know it's really interesting when i started looking into it um so so that's where that came from and, I, and as soon as she said it i was like oh my god that's a brilliant idea you know because that'd be yeah. so much more fun you know they have so much more character <laughs> yeah absolutely it's perfect it was afterwards after i'd been and done all my research on alpacas I discovered that there was an alpaca farm. In, in, and I just wanted to make a note of it because I thought, you know, if they ever read it or if anyone else told them about it, uh, you know, I don't want them to think that I've
0: based my entire yeah. farm on their farm. Already. <laughs> 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 They'd probably be honoured. I can't imagine for a second they wouldn't love that. So as I mentioned before, you've, you've written loads of books now and, um, and I did my research in your first releases back in 2007 with Lucy in the Sky. And you've generally written about a book a year, something like that. But they're all really varied. And, you know, they're, they're a similar genre, but they're all incredibly varied in terms of content. Like you say, locations. every book seems to be set somewhere completely different to the next one. Where do you get all your ideas from? Do they just come to you? Have you got a little bank of them ready to write, or or is there a way got... that you kind of inspire yourself?
1: <laughs> oh well, I have got I have got a couple of ideas for my next book, which I still oh. haven't fully decided between. You know, so um, I need to decide those because I need to research. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Well, it's good at least I know what I'm going to be doing for the next couple of years no I get my ideas from anywhere sometimes they do just like often they'll just come to me either when I'm writing or when I'm going on a nice long walk you know mm. and I listen to music and you know like I'm always very creative when I'm writing you know I tend to get my most most of the time I get ideas for my books when I'm actually writing mm. you know, like a different That's interesting. yeah and um and then I'll, I also just get ideas from might be a song lyric it might be you know a movie I've seen you know it might be just like a character that I have I like the feeling of this you know one emotion that I felt when I watched a certain movie and I'm like imagine if that had happened you know or this character would gone on to do that you know so it really comes from anywhere you know at any inspiration couldn't strike at any point.
0: (laughs) That's that's really interesting actually it's a real kind of example of being aware of your world and being switched on to what's happening and is an inspiration of what you can create from other people's creations yeah
1: like you know beauty inspires beauty I think I read somewhere and
0: that
1: you know the secret to unlocking writer's block is to read you
0: know yeah so what was your journey into writing was it something you always wanted to be Yes,
1: I've ever since I can remember, I've wanted to be an author. Like, that was the first job I ever wanted to do when I was really young. So <laughs> so I've kind of, like, just written stories all my life. But um, I I got a job at Heat Magazine as reviews editor. And, yeah, um, yeah it was a fantastic. You know, I used to have all of these books come in. And I had the idea then for Lucy in the, in the Sky. But I just, I could not imagine how to possibly write 100,000 words. You know, I just thought, <laughs> how on earth, like, this is only one idea I could probably write down on a page, you know, yeah. how on earth could, you know, could I ever write this? And, you know, and I'd see all these books come in and my heart would just sink. You know, I'd be like, oh, I just don't think this is ever going to happen. You know, I'd started writing and I wrote about a page. And then um, I had a very, very lucky way into becoming an author, you know, don't hate me. But um, <laughs> I, went, I went for lunch with, um, with a, a publicist from Simon and Schuster, and he'd become friends over the years. You know, like we we would hang, hang out. You know, in a friend, you know, in a friend sort of capacity. Um, but he said to me, you know, during this lunch, he said you should get a book deal, love. You know, it, it, he said, you know, you should you should write a book. He said you, get a book. <laughs> you know, because at the time, Heat was like one of the biggest selling magazines. Yeah. In the world. You know, it was like selling like six hundred thousand copies, a and it was kind of the real Heat heyday. You know, when it was doing, you know, just yes. like- and so i was really well placed you know at a good magazine that everybody wanted to get into the heat chart and i was responsible for like the book chart and everything and i said to him well i do have an idea and so i told him the idea for lucy in the sky and he said i love it i'm going to go back and tell my publisher i was just my my heart was beating (laughs) oh my god really you know and five minutes after i got back to the office i had an email from her saying Nigel's just told me your idea. I'd love to meet. Um, can we go for breakfast in a week? And yeah. so that, as soon as I knew, as soon as I thought, oh my God, this might happen, I started writing. And so I wrote the first three chapters and a 5,000 word synopsis. And my brother came up with the title Lucy in the Sky. <laughs> and we met up on a wednesday morning and she read my chapters you know that afternoon and two days later i got a two book deal wow. which unbelievable and and i remember also nigel said to me he said i tell him you can write it by christmas and have it out
0: next year <laughs> <You know? laughs> wow no pressure <laughs> Honestly, it
1: was it was but I, I for some reason i did even though I'd never written a book before, I had a <laughs> job. and um, but it really worked. You know, just having I had three and a half months to write it, but I ended mm. up writing it in two and a half because I was yeah. just so completely like connected to the characters, and, yeah. and I've written books really quickly ever since because I just find I'm. It's so immersive to just yes. be in their world for this short space of time you know where I can't really you know can't think of anything else and you know and it's also quite it's a quieter time of year like after the summer and you know I've kind of let the book go that I've just publicized you know I can kind of
0: let those characters gently sort of go away now on yeah. the next one so <laughs> that's yeah. really interesting that's fantastic I love it I mean the thing is I mean yes getting into publishing is hard we know it's a very difficult industry to get in but also I think we're really fortunate is that we have social media we have the like I know lots of published uh, authors who've got published through Twitter just chatting to publicists and uh, publishers you know people are a lot more open to conversations now so those kind of cafe meetings do happen to people who aren't necessarily in the industry as well so you know it is I think the doors are a little more open than maybe they once were <laughs> as well, So absolutely and the other thing you know is, that we've
1: all got is self-publishing you know yes kind of yeah. the- your own book you could just be in charge of your own career Absolutely, and uh, I, yeah. I'm going to do this you know yeah so, no, it's good. and a lot
0: more independent publishers as well they're a lot more accessible yeah. these days that are putting out really good quality gorgeous books as well yeah um so you've always been known for your kind of romantic um novels but you've written a few uh young adult novels as well haven't you are you planning on doing any more were they very challenging in comparison to your adult novels
1: no i found that they were very much it was a really similar experience because i think mm. once i'm inside the character's head you know it doesn't matter what age they are it's just a, it's a story and in fact writing about first love you know being sort of the most powerful love you can write about mm. you know, it's really kind of fun to be inside a 15 year old girl's head you know and just kind of yeah. experiencing that with her but my young adult is actually a spin off from a couple of my adult books you know yes. I wrote you know, my earlier books used to be a little bit lighter and funnier. I think I've sort of, you know, grown as a as an author and there's a bit more emotional depth to the later ones, I would say. But, you know, um, my second book is about this woman who goes to work for Rockstar and she's his PA. And, um, and anyway, you know, he's a real, he's a horror, you know, he's a real, real bad boy. But, uh, <laughs> he kind of comes good in the sequel. <laughs> so, That's good. You That's know, reassuring. <laughs> But um, I kind of had the t- you know an idea at the time, it's like, you know, he basically, she sleeps with him in the, in the first book, and, mm-hmm. and he's the father of her child, and he nice. doesn't know that he's the father, you know, until the second book. Um, but it kind of, I thought to myself, you know, there's every chance that he's got other illegitimate children out there that he doesn't know, yes. considering, you know, he's been around a bit. Anyway, it, the idea came to me that I could write about his daughter, you know, someone yeah. who finds out that he's her dad. And, you know, is just a very ordinary girl, very, you know, sort of ordinary life, finds out that, you know, her father's like one of the biggest rock stars on the planet, you know. And that was, a. they were really fun books to write. You know, these, these is a series of three, The Accidental Life of Jesse Jefferson. Um, yes. This one. And uh, yeah, just, just, they were, they were awesome fun. And actually I wrote them quite quickly because I already was so familiar with the world that, you know, mm, you have have so. It was really easy just to sort of go back to L.A. and you know the Hollywood, you know, hills and, and, and write about yeah Johnny and his Bel Air mansion.
0: <laughs> and I want to read that. I haven't read the young adult books, but I now want to go read them all. So I <laughs> might have to do that.
1: I, I have to say, you know, like I say, I don't feel they don't feel like young adult books, to no. me, you know, and I don't think they do to the, my adult readers who have mm. read them, you know, because ultimately you're just reading, uh, it, it, you know, the age of the protagonist doesn't really matter. I right? haven't. Dumbed down, like it's still my, you know, it's of
0: course so right, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, young adult books are, are fantastic. They're great to read for for any any age, appropriately yeah, I, aged. I, I read a lot of
1: young adult myself. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So going on to that, actually, that fits into my next question quite well. Are you a reader, and if so, have you got anybody that you could recommend to our listeners that maybe inspires you, or favourite books, or anything that you would recommend people read?
1: Sure, I mean, I think Varya McFarlane is like one of my favourite authors. You know, she she writes emotional kind of love stories too. You know, so I love and, I, and she's very clever. You know, writes really cleverly. Love Marion Keys. You know, like yes, you'll never get me to not say that. You know, no. <laughs> mention a Marion Keys book in the interview. I do love Marion, um, and you know, I, I, I actually really like Colleen Hoover as an American author. Um, again, quite emotional sort of love stories, sort of impossible love stories. I Think she does them really well. Um, really been enjoying Christina Lauren's backlist. You know, they, they are quite sexy romances and I like Sally Thorne, you know, she's got a new one out. And Emily Henry's a great new author. You know, she wrote Beach Read in 2020. Okay. And um and she's just had you and me and vac- you and me on vacation has just come out and yeah, I really recommend that. I think that's fantastic.
0: That's a great list of recommendations. Um, what's next for you, Paige? Are you working on anything at the moment that you're allowed to talk about? So have you got anything due for release soon?
1: Um, no, I have. So basically someone I used to know is out and yep. I need to start writing my next one. And I still, as I say, haven't fully decided. You know, one one idea is a little bit lighter and funnier. And the other one has sort of like similar kind of levels of emotional depth, I would say, to someone I used to know. So I think I might do a bit lighter and funnier next year. You know, I think it'd be quite nice. But it's just once an idea takes hold and I can't, you know, I can't stop Yeah that's the one that I end up writing but right now my head is still very much full of someone
0: I used to know. Yeah and and I have to say having just read it my head is full of it still so Uh I I would just recommend anybody go and and pick that up and I mean that genuinely because I I just thought it was fantastic I loved it. How can our listeners follow you and your work if they want to keep it up with your next well, releases please
1: you can go to pageTune.com. um you can sign up to my newsletter um i send out sometimes i send out free sort of short stories spin-off short stories and things like that um and i'm also on social media facebook instagram and twitter at page and i love hearing from my readers i respond to each and every one so <laughs> so if you, lovely if you get in touch it'd be lovely
0: to hear from you and someone i used to know is out now I would highly recommend anybody pick it up fantastic thank you so much for talking to me today paige it was an absolute pleasure my guest today was page two and you have been listening to the sheffield libraries podcast the place to hear authors discuss their work to explore stories fact and fiction that we think deserve to be heard i hope you'll join us again